This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Good morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Joseph Berto from White City, Oregon. And you are listening to a special Horse Husbands Only edition of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for April 23rd, 2019. Brought to you today by the Shaken Fork and the Flexen Fork. The monthly Horse Husbands episode. This one is for you guys. No horse women allowed. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Horse Husbands episode. And, of course, if you are a lady, you can turn us off now because no ladies are allowed to listen to this episode. Yeah, go find some other talk radio show. Yeah, go find something else. Look, we have 17 shows on the Horse Radio Network. Go listen to one of them. You don't need to be here. Now, that's the best advice of the day. Yeah, that's right. You don't need to be here. We got, you know, we got 2,000... 200 episodes of this show. Uh, you haven't heard them all. Go back and take a listen to the past ones. Uh, but Joseph and I, we are here to talk to the husbands. We are here to talk to the dads because that's what we're doing this episode is we are talking to the horse dads. Uh, and we're doing it roundtable fashion. We have a couple of horse dads coming on to talk about their experiences. And we're seeing both sides of the coin. We're going from a very young horse dad to a dad that's been doing this, whose daughter is much, much older. So, sorry, April. I didn't mean much, much older. It's an adult. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So, yeah, and there's some surprises from the perspective that they they offer. Um, some insight on on both ends. We do this episode once a month, usually at the end of every month. We talk to horse husbands, and in this case, horse dads, and uh, we we just find out what it's like. You know, our life is a little bit different because we're married to horse women, and that makes it different. So we just talk a little bit about those differences, and we celebrate the joys of it. Well, we might do less of that on this show, but we, we know there's joys. We admit that. <laughs> there is. More joy than pain, anyway. <laughs> That's right. All right, let's go to our roundtablers right now. We we're so excited to really do our first Horse Dads roundtable that we've ever done. And Joseph and I are not, like we talked about earlier in the show, we are not dads. <laughs> we've never had kids. So we're relying on our roundtablers to help us out with this. And we have both ends of the spectrum. We have Paul with us, who's dad of auditor and regular contributor to the show. You know her from doing the business segments once a month, April. She lives in Germany, and regular listeners of the show will know April. And uh, Paul, you she said all good things about you being a horse dad. I got to tell you. That's good. I like to hear good things from my daughter. I, uh, I've never been a horse person myself. I was very supportive. I, I was the trailer person. You know, I had the truck and I was there to make sure the horses got to where they needed to go. Oh, it's a, it's a manly skill to get, to get uh, permission to haul the trailer though. We found there's a lot of horse husbands out there that don't get the opportunity to ever have that, uh, that joy. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was a challenge. Uh, we started off with a bumper pool, two horse bumper pool, and then we moved into a, uh, a four horse, uh, gooseneck. So, and the object was to try to say, okay, we're going to take people from the barn because, you know, people, a lot of people at the barn need to make it to the show so that we were going to be able to do that. And, uh, so that's what we did. 
How, what was she writing, English, English or Western? What, what kind of writing did she, April? Um, she started off a little bit in English, and but then I think she, you know, she moved into Western, and she liked the Western, I think, a little bit better. Okay. And that's where she heard, then her, then her mom got the, um, the Western Dressage started here in Georgia, so. And I was just going to say, you got a little twang in your voice. Is that is that where you're located, is in Georgia? I'm living in Georgia, but I'm, I'm originally from upstate New York. That's why it's a little twang. Yeah. It's not a lot right. of twang. Yeah, just a little <laughs> twang. Yeah, yeah. But I have. I, I joined the army back in '74, so I've been in. I was in North Carolina, and then from North Carolina to, to Texas, then into Georgia. So I've been in the South more than half my life for sure. Did was there any other kids, or was April the only kid? April was the only one. Got you know, it. When you when you achieve perfection, you just stop. <laughs> April's going to be so happy to hear that. And now, April, you have a yeah. grandkid too. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, we get to we get to see her some more. We saw her a little bit. Uh, we went to Germany for her birth, and then they're coming here in May. So and yeah, you know, it's been seven months. So she she'll be home. So we'll get I get to bounce her on my knee a little bit and be grandfather for a while. And you know, I always thought I was too young, but I guess not. I've gotten old enough now. <laughs> We all think we're too young. Um, <laughs> a- April uh, is also April and her husband are also going on the cruise next year on the Horse Lovers Cruise. So we're, we're looking forward oh, to that. Yeah. I've, I've met okay. April before yeah. at various meetups. So yeah. this is going to be yep. fun. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk more about all of this uh, coming up because we have a bunch of listener questions that we're going to ask you guys as part of the roundtable. But first, we have to meet our other roundtabler. And we have Nick with us, who is the he's a horse husband and a horse dad. But he's on the other end of the spectrum in that his daughter, Clara, is only three years old. But uh, wife, uh, Nana, she is a serious eventer, right? That's correct. Uh, So I I was indoctrinated into... uh becoming a horse husband first. Um, but uh, now that I see uh, the benefits that can come with it uh, in terms of character building, etc., cetera, uh, we're both working to get my daughter uh, into the sport, and she now has her uh, own pony in our backyard. Uh, yeah, you- three years old, got her own little pony. The challenge is that uh, while 100% of all little girls ask for a pony, uh, in fact, my daughter got one before she could even ask. So, um, yeah, it might, might be the challenge, but uh, we're just trying to get her get her into it. And I think the best way is just exposure. Just don't make her pick up poop too soon. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, she loves the poop pickup. She's got her own little plastic <laughs> rake and everything. That's the favorite part of it. <laughs> and she's three, and that's your only child at this point, right? That's correct. Okay. So, and uh, Nana, she's been horsey forever? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 20, 20 plus years or so. Okay. And were you horsey at all? Never, never been horsey. No, okay. Good. So good. Well, we have quite a quite the spectrum here from one end to the other. Some of these questions we'll have to alter for you a little bit, Nick, because they don't quite they won't quite work with a three year old. But maybe we can take a look in the future and see what you think about those questions. Um, so, Joseph, you want to ask Carrie Joe's first one? Yeah, and I was going to mention that we'll also get a look at the past because although I never had uh, got to be a horse dad, um, I came from a horse family, and I watched what I went through and what my dad went through, and so I can offer some past perspective, and we have present perspective, we got future perspective. So, Carrie Joe uh, asked the first question: Is the horse world something you encouraged? your child to get involved in or did you get dragged in kicking and screaming or did they get dragged? Well, in kicking we know Nick's answer, Paul. <laughs> uh, 
I didn't get kicked, dragged in. It was uh, my wife and my daughter. My wife is the horse person. Uh, but like I said, I'm willing to support my daughter in anything she chooses to do. So it was uh, just something, okay, she's doing it. I'm behind her. And uh, I had I had a lot of fun. We met a lot of good people. So I won't say that I was dragged into it. Uh, I enjoyed uh, meeting with people. We had some really good friends that were involved in it. And we, and we met good friends at the barn. So we had parties and and uh, Halloween parties and so on. So it, it, I wasn't dragged. Uh, once we got to meet the people, it was, uh, you know, it's, it was a family gathering kind of, so to speak. So I, I really enjoyed the uh, the gatherings, the shows and so on. So, But I am nothing to do with horses. It was uh, my wife that is a horse person. And like I said, I, I, I pulled the trailer. Well, Nick, we know you're trying to get your daughter, Clara, into this. Uh, how long, as a horse husband, or when you were dating or whatever, how long did it take you to figure out this whole deal and what it was going to be about? Yeah, so um, uh, you know, my wife got her uh, first horse eight years ago, and so it took, uh, you know, started slow a little bit, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it probably took me maybe three or four years to really figure out the scope of this, uh, of this affliction, uh, in terms of, um, you know, <laughs> how much time and money it can take up. Right. Um, but in terms, uh, so that's how it came to our family. But in terms of, um, in terms of my daughter, it's been a very conscious choice to say, Hey, look, I think the benefits of her getting involved in this outweigh, uh, anything else, right? So uh, the character that it'll give her, you know, having to take care of something, um, and, you know, the character that it can build in her over time, uh, and you know, potentially even looking way ahead towards, uh, you know, a college application, etc., would be more unique than soccer or softball, for example. While I had to swallow a little bit and be like, oh wow, here's another horse to the family. Um, for sure, we, it was a conscious decision with my daughter to say, hey, we want to get her into this. And then specifically because of you know where we live in California, um, part of the conscious decision was to to bring her into it in in a sort of what we call a, a real horse person way, which is like, hey, you got to scoop your own poop, you got to do your own grooming. This is not about showing up on the weekend uh, and taking Instagram selfies with the horse uh, in your in your nice clean uh, tack, etc. Um, this is about taking care of something. So that's that's also part of the reason we wanted to start early. Is she really in Instagram at three? I'm just checking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course not, right? But that's 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 something that we see that we see at, at the various um, yeah you know, events and bars we've, we've, we've um, been in. I was saying they're starting them young at Instagram over there. <laughs> if you start later, maybe maybe it's just that's what it is. It's a, we don't want it to be a fun luxury activity, right? We gotcha. want it to be a real lifestyle that she understands. Gotcha. Paul Kerry Joe also asked, "What impact, positive and or negative, have you seen the horsey life have on your child or on April's uh, life? And what about you and your family?" Uh, well, with April, it's certainly been positive. Um, she enjoys her horses and, you know, she wants to work in the horse field in one way or another. Positive, uh, uh, with all her upbringing, uh, I don't think we ever worried about her being crazy and, and drugs or and alcohol. It was all horses and uh, even the boys came later on. But, you know, it was uh, horses first. So it, When, did, when did they get involved? Positive. At three? How, how old was we she? gave her her first horse we gave her her horse her first horse at twelve 
of course, like I said, her mom's had a horse long. Her mom's always had a horse. I think ever since she was born, uh, there's been a horse in the family. So she was going to the barn with her mother. And, you know, and I, we've got a very early shot of her holding her hand out, feeding a horse. And I don't think she could be more than three or four at that point. But uh, I don't think she got up on the back of a horse for another few years. But I think I, I think it was about 12 years old that uh, my wife says, guess what I did today? And I said, what? And she says, I bought <laughs> April a horse. <laughs> I, I didn't have any choice in the matter. You know, it was like, guess what I did? And. And so we were going home to see my my dad and my stepmother. And um, so we it was at Christmas time. So at Christmas time, uh, we gave April some books on how to care for a horse. You know, and April says, what do I need all this stuff for? And then, of course, and we told her, well, you, you need that because you got to take care of your horse now. So that was quite a moment. She got a Christmas sure. pony? She got a Christmas horse. Oh my God. Yeah, that's great. I, I think that that sticks with a young girl for yeah. life. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That was a very memorable horse. She did. She had basically got the horse pretty well trained. And then there was a tragedy. The horse was with another horse standing close to a tree eating poison ivy. I guess horses like to eat poison ivy. And then lightning struck the tree and killed both horses. So, Oh my God. It's a horse that she will remember forever because, uh, of, you know, she, she basically had taken it from nothing and trained it all. And then just about when a horse is really hitting its stride, then we had that tragedy happen. That's and, a uh, tragedy course, right uh, out of Thornburg. Well, you know, we cover yes. lightning stories all the time on the show, but I'd never met somebody that actually happened, had it happen to their horse. Wow. Yeah, April. Wow. Little Money. The horse's name was Little Money. But there was a bright spot to that because the horse she has now, the people she was keeping Little Money with, had just had a foal, and they gave that foal to April. And April has definitely trained this horse from the very beginning. Nobody else has ever had any influence on a horse. Well, Nick, yeah. we can't really ask you that question because it hasn't happened yet. But I, I wanted to ask you Kayla's because it kind of ties into what you were talking about earlier. You're trying to get three-year-old Claire out there and, you know, get her interested in horses. But Kayla's question is, did you ever try getting your kid into something other than horses? And I'm going to change that a little for you. If she came back and said, yes, I want to play soccer, or are you going to encourage her to try and do other things along the way? Yep. Uh, well, that's a relevant question. Uh, I mean, one of my um, one of my things is uh, is baseball, right? So I've definitely indoctrinated my daughter uh, into being a baseball fan and basically <laughs> an Oakland Athletics fan, um, and she's taken to that pretty well. Uh, she loves going to the big game. I think she it's because she associates it with the ice cream that she. Gets I was going to say food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, product on the field for sure. So I mean, I mean, that, that's an interest, right? That. Um, that she's going to have for sure. And the reality is that if for some reason she just doesn't take over the next period of years uh, to the pony, then um, we will have to think about a plan B there. Um, but from, from my perspective, um, you know, the, the things that are associated with a horse interest, right? Time outside, uh, responsibility, caring for another living thing, uh, et cetera, is, um, is much higher than with, uh, you know, for example, school, some very school sponsored activities. Um, and, uh, so I hope that, that she can stick with horse and then still have enough left to pay attention to a couple other things. You know, she wants to become a, uh, a baseball fan and a Star Wars nerd, that would make me really happy. And I think there's probably space for that. Uh, sure. <laughs> so Joseph, you grew up in a family of what, five kids? 
Yeah, five kids. And five, how many yeah, gir- how many girls? How many sisters? Two girls. Yep. And two they girls, were both into sister, horses. They were. Yeah, yeah. My well, my my older sister. Um, she was one that got the pony, and she was involved in it uh, quite a bit, at least at the start. But the the mistake that that my parents made was they started to use the horses as something to take away or to threaten if you didn't do something else. Mm. And horses have so much responsibility built into them that if you threaten to take it away, you're actually taking away that opportunity for growth instead of saying, you know, we're not, that, that's enough of a threat. I mean, horses are so difficult. They, they take so much responsibility. You have morning and evening feedings and, and boyfriend, or you don't even get into boys because you always got to come home and so on. <laughs> that you're giving up so much to, as a daughter to have a horse. That to be said, if you don't do X, Y, Z, I'm going to take your horse away. Fine, take the horse. And, and at that point there, you lost. And, and that's what kind of happened in my family, at least with the, with the oldest girl, is, is my parents didn't see it as quite that way. And, um, and it also happened with me, unfortunately, is, is if, you know, if you didn't groom the horse perfectly or if you didn't do all of the steps that an adult thinks are important to, before you can go ride, then something else comes in instead. And, and it you know, had to go to the back burner because my friends that rode, their horses were dirty, and they yeah, were Yeah, they got on bareback and went like hell across the fields because it was fun. got it. Yeah, exactly. It was fun. And yeah. here I am sitting here, heads up, heels down, you know, got to have your saddle pad perfect and your tack perfect and everything else. And it just, it was just, and it was a long time, a long, long time before I met my wife, and, and all of that was secondary. And with her, it was just, get on the horse. Just go ride with me. That's sad, actually, when you think about it. And I don't know, Nick, you know, my wife grew up that kid with the horse in the backyard and rode bareback because they couldn't afford a saddle. But she has a seat because she could stay on anything, right? Uh, The first pony was the crazy one that would try and dump her every two minutes. And, you know, she spent years on that pony. Uh, and yeah. I kind of think, Nick, you're right about what you were saying earlier about kids not having that experience. Um, and, you know, the, in the barn and, you know, just being kids around horses. The way our setup is, too, um, that uh, so we have a pony and a goat uh, in the backyard to, to take care of each other. We have uh, enough space that a three-year-old can actually, you know, do a little walk around uh, in a little loop on the pony in the yard. Um, and so that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to make it, make it normal for her. Um, so she doesn't, you know, think that it's something special or something that you only do once a week when you go for lessons. And it's fun, you know, it's gotta be fun, yeah. but ultimately it comes back to that when you're a kid, right? Or you're not going to stick with got it. Got to be fun. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and I listened to the tales of my wife as, as she, you know, went through her formulative years from, from young to, to, to teenager and how that horse was her life. And because her parents allowed that to be her life, she said it just saved her from so many other things that happened. And then all the responsibilities and, and caring and everything that I love about her all was formulated through, through, through horses. So I think that your plan to get your daughter into horses and expose her to horses is, is uh, it's wonderful. It's fantastic. And horses aren't that expensive yeah. money-wise. I still say it's a time thing, <laughs> not so much as a horse. As a, as a yeah, money. other things are expensive, like teenage boys and pregnancy, too. So there's exactly. that. Right? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or, yeah. or all those other things. <laughs> That's right. All right. Drugs yeah. are expensive, so too. I've actually had... 
I've um, actually had at least uh, at least one person warn me away, saying, "Hey, look, your daughter's young enough now. You have a chance to not <laughs> indoctrinate her into horse. You should take it." And this um, person uh, who who is who is yeah. a professional involved professionally in the horse business was telling me, "Like, look, you know, you're going to end up having 40 horses. It's going to be a disaster. Get out while you can." I wasn't how lucky you would be. <laughs> yeah, and the, one, the, only, the you know, in this person's argument, the only benefit to um, having a daughter who's a horsewoman is that it scares off so many boys. Yeah, well, it does. Yeah, well, right, yeah. Paul? Didn't April? You said April started a little bit later uh, with the boys. Yeah, and oh, and then the boys that she did start with, of course, they all had their own horses too. Yeah, <laughs> he right. didn't go far from the barn. <laughs> I, I don't know if you could but, hear uh, over the radio. There, there was yeah. all the eye rolls from every woman that's not supposed to be listening, as as that comment. Was yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. I would have to say that you know that when we're we were having the horses, I thought, oh, this is a lot of money. This is a lot of money. But in the end, it turns out to be a very good investment. So yeah, I will, I'll say that much to it. And Jeff, There's a great argument for anybody that's listening out there that, that is thinking yeah. they want their parents to get a horse. Play this show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Play this yeah, episode. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer yeah. was, uh, you know, kind of experienced that too, what you were saying, Joseph, when she was growing up, she had two older brothers that were partiers and really into cars and kind of wild. Um, now they both ended up being, you know, really good adults. One of them a green beret for, for, for like 22 years. But, you know, she was growing up, she had every opportunity to do all that, but she didn't want to because of her horses. So yeah. she could have went that route. It would have been easy enough in that family, but she didn't because of the horses. That was her motivation not to go that route. Um, they are, boy, you got you got a girl that's into it or a boy. You got a girl or a boy that's into it, and that's just a draw that over that supersedes everything else, doesn't it? It just... But it is a huge commitment. I, I listened to my wife talk, talk about her, her late mother and the effort that that family made to support her horses until she was old enough to get her own ranch. The shows and the, the, it was a, just a huge commitment for them. And I know a lot of parents do the soccer and do everything else, but the soccer ball don't give back. And, and the horses, yeah. they, they develop something really, really special, far beyond um, just the you know, the sport. Now I want to say that we have another question here kind of along that line is Lindsay Helmuth Pierce asked you guys, did you think they would or will ever grow out of it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Horsewomen are horsewomen forever. Yeah. Well there, that about yep. says it right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think well, uh, they were going to grow out of it. <laughs> My own experience is that it can go latent for a while. If your if your student circumstances or your travel circumstances sort of force it out of you, I think it can go in a sort of latent state. Uh, uh, but it always comes back. It's kind of like cancer remission. Yeah. It goes into remission and it comes back. <laughs> yeah, there cancer. you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my! I know the very. The very first thing we're going to do when April lands in May is we're heading for the barn to see her horse, King. I can guarantee you that. Oh, I That's guarantee you that. Trip. <laughs> I guarantee you that. When, when we used to do, when we had some horse boarding here, we used to have women that were getting back into horses after uh, the remission, you know, when their kids were all grown and all that. And the one thing that they always said is, when did I get afraid? 
because most of them no, yeah. stopped writing when they weren't with, you know, they were young and fearless and now, now they're 40 or 45 or whatever. And they, they brought fear with them. And they, one of their comments to us was always, God, I can't believe what I used to do on these horses. So the remission still leaves a scar, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to take a quick break here for a commercial, and then we're going to come right back with some more questions that the listeners had on our Horse Dads episode here on Horses in the Morning. So a lot of our listeners, Glenn, have been discovering the Shaken Fork. Yay! Um, as you, yeah, it's great. Uh, as you know, it's a lithium-ion battery-powered manure fork, a uh, little, little different from our uh, manual one, but it has a small little planetary gearbox and a motor, and it feels pretty much like the regular fork, and it weighs just a little bit more than a regular fork. There's a small trigger that you control that makes the tine move up and down at any speed. It's a variable speed, and it makes the same motion that you would do by hand. So it doesn't vibrate. It, it actually goes up and down, and you control that motion. But the big thing is you don't need to use any of your muscles. You just pick up the shavings in the manure, you squeeze the trigger, and you let the motor do the sifting for you. It's as simple to use as a vacuum cleaner or an electric toothbrush. Now, some people say that sifting shavings is their exercise, and for those people, the flex and fork is the ideal tool because it's almost indestructible. But if you're finding that your elbows or wrists or neck or shoulders or hips your body parts are telling you that there's got to be a better way than to be a motor that's sifting out those manure balls. Find out why 10 years and thousands of shaken forks later, we hear almost daily from horse people that tell us how glad they are they found us and that they love their shaken forks. And we hear that word all the time. They love their shaken forks and they can't imagine cleaning without them. These shaken forks have been used by the staff at Horses in the Morning for almost as long as we've been in business. And as you know, if they didn't work, they wouldn't be advertising them here on Horses in the Morning. To buy one for yourself or for more information, you can talk to Diane or myself or visit us at equitymfg.com. That's E-Q-U-I-T-E-E-M-F-G.com. And I'm telling you, we use ours all the time. Jamie and I and Jennifer, we use ours all the time, every day. We don't use anything else. We don't use any other kind of manure fork. I had to borrow the neighbors one day because I just didn't feel like going back to the barn. And I was cleaning, I was picking up leaves. And even picking up leaves, it was uncomfortable to use the crappy cheap fork. It it, it, it it made a big difference. <laughs> it was... And, you know, you've had these for years, and it's and it's not uncommon for us to get people that are buying a replacement basket because they've worn the tines out to where they're only three or four inches long. And, I got to tell you, that- Helena, my first co-host on the Stable Scoop show, uh, she sent me a picture of hers, and she got it when? Uh, ten, nine years ago, probably. And Yes, forever ago. And her basket was like three, three uh, two-thirds the size of what it should be because it had worn yeah, out. And, and, it, <laughs> and I don't know any other fork that you wear the tines out just because you've scraped so much manure oh, off no, the Oh, no, because you've broken them break. long before that. <laughs> That's, yeah, you've yeah. broken them. And so, and, and so we hear from these customers, and even though the, the fork has increased in price significantly because of the, the shipping that's involved, people still buy them because seven, eight, nine years out of a fork, it's a great value. Whatever the cost is, it's a great value. It really is. So, that, so thank you. Where can people buy them again? That's equitymfg.com, E-Q-U-I-T-E-E-M-F-G.com. Go out and get yours today. So we're back with our Horse Dads episode, and we have Paul here, who uh, is a dad to April, who is an adult and uh, had her little baby not too long ago. It's cute as a button. And then Nick has a three-year-old. So we got 
two ends of the spectrum. And Mary, one of our listeners, asked, how did you find the first safe horse for your kids? So, Nick, you just bought, tell us about Clara's little horse. Uh, so uh, we picked up a little mini pony um, about uh, about more than a year ago uh, when she was around two years old. Uh, obviously, our top priority uh, was bomb-proof. Um, and so, in <laughs> fact, uh, be- before we went to uh, go pick up the pony, the, the seller had uh, actually sent us some videos of, um, uh, of the pony, like with tons of noise uh, and firecrackers and, and stuff going on around it, and it wasn't moving at all. So we're like, this pony looks pretty <laughs> bomb-proof. Um, and so that's the one we ended up going with. Uh, as soon as you know, we went to pick it up, uh, the first thing that my daughter said was, uh, looked right at her and said, that's Honey. And so the, the, the pony's now named Honey. Um, and it uh, turn, turns out that she is pretty bomb-proof. It does appear to me that she might have had the pony uh, we sort of discovered over the last year. She might have had some mistreatment in a previous life. And so she she has a little more skittishness than we expected. But we So that's on the downside. On the positive side, we discovered that it uh, seems like the pony also had some experience pulling a cart. Uh, so we actually got a cart. Uh, we've done some carting together, and uh, my daughter actually loves uh, just riding in the cart with my wife together. Um, and so that's a chance for her to get some, you know, more exposure uh, with the, the the pony and time with her without necessarily always having to ride, which I think um, she perceives still as kind of a kind of a challenge. Yeah. Well, that'll change when she gets to be four. So, Paul, how did, how did you find your uh, first pony for April? My wife, as I said, always had a horse. April's been exposed to horses. And then as we, and we started doing shows, of course, we would borrow horses from the barn. The first pony we borrowed was Brandy. It was black and white. Uh, and so April, it was easy, easy pony. Uh, like, not, I guess, the term bomb-proof, so... She did a few shows on Brandy, and then uh, Little Money came into her life. Little Money was at the barn, and the, the uh, owner was looking to sell the and uh, my wife, Suzanne, bought Little Money. And then, like I said, you know, we, she said, guess what I did today? And then I found out she had bought a horse, and it was around Christmas time. So I had no decision-making at, at that point. It was done. We my never wife do. chose the horse. Yeah, that's true. When it comes to horses and women, it's just yeah. We never have any decision making. No. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, Are are you finding yourself more involved with horses now that you're kind of you know having leading your daughter into horses than you were, or are are you already fully engaged? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have um, not previously been engaged like, in terms of my wife's involvement. I, I perceive that to be her thing, right? So I'm supporting, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not really engaged. But with my daughter, I think there is an opportunity for me to contribute to her to her involvement. And so, uh, in addition to um, you know, just having a pony at her house and taking her out, um, uh, we actually have started uh, setting up my daughter for actual lessons uh, with a with a trainer at the barn. Uh, sometimes on actually a different horse, and so I, I definitely always. Uh, come for that uh, make sure I'm watching her right just like I would at, at a softball game or a soccer game and, and are you considering at all you know dabbling a little bit yourself um, yeah you know I mean um, I uh, uh, you know, have I written yes do I ride no um, but uh, yeah no for sure I mean I, I really like uh, going on horse camping trips as well that you know participating yeah. in the camping aspect sometimes I'll bring my mountain bike to the horse camping trip and, and do a little side thing. So, 
the whole, everything surrounding it is, uh, is really interesting to me. I would say just com- coming in as an adult with no prior experience, it's just intimidating all the stuff you have to learn. Um, and what you mentioned earlier as well, the con- you know, the concept of fear, I just think, Hey, if I fall, if I fall off this thing, this is not going to be a good outcome. So, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, for sure, I, the, the, the sport in general is, is uh, so enticing. Okay, I got to ask the next question. This is from Jennifer, and I don't think it was my wife. Uh, what was the stra- <laughs> What was the strangest thing you discovered about horse people? <laughs> Paul, <laughs> Nick, anybody? Oh, the strangest thing is, yeah. uh, is that they'll walk into a grocery store or something. Oh, I can't stand that smell. And then I'll walk into a barn and, and, and nothing seems to phase them at all. It's like, oh, now I walk in the barn. Oh, okay, that's enough of that. I'm walking out to the fresh air. And then they, they just walk right on through. It's like, okay. And then she'll complain. Or they'll complain about a little little odor in the, in the supermarket. Oh, that perfume's too strong or something. It's like, okay. <laughs> it's the wrong kind of smell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I could probably, we could probably do a whole other show just on this topic, actually. <laughs> Uh, I, mean, I think we have done about 50 of them, haven't we, Joseph? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mostly I mean, a lot of don't. Just, <laughs> Go ahead, Nick. Sorry. There's just so much involved, right? You could, like, you could spend hours just in a tax store, you know, uh, discovering new products that you can't even think what they're possibly for. Then you buy it, all of a sudden, you, you know, it's a must have item. Uh, that's one thing that uh, always baffled me. Also, the idea of, um, you know, doing sort of, you know, giving care and treatments to your horse that you wouldn't even allow yourself to have, right? Like, oh, my leg feels really bad, but I'll just wait for it to get better. Uh, you know, no need to go to the doctor yet. There's even a micro- microscopic cut on the horse. It's like that's coming out ASAP. So um, just that, that dichotomy are, are things that, uh, that I've noticed that I find strange. Well, they get more supplements. They get chiropractic. They get massages. I can't tell you any time uh, recently I've had one of those. So... Right. Yeah. 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 So, Joseph, what's the strangest thing you would say? Because you've dealt with a lot of horse people. You've traveled with them on vacation. So, there's there's absolutely, positively no agreement in the horse community about what is 100 percent correct. Oh yeah, they all have opinions. That, that is yeah. that's the part that's most surprising. <laughs> that horses have been around forever, and you'd think that people would agree somehow on the best way to, to pick your thing, saddles to training to, and you know, it just, it just ain't that way. And, uh, it ain't the that way. That's the between a mother and a daughter. Oh, yeah. same thing. They have their differences. A little bickering they have there. Their differences. <laughs> yep. 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 Did they ever, did it they ever, did they have big way. differences or? <laughs> uh, they're, they're, they're enough of a difference from whether what barn they want to keep their horse at and uh, who wants to, who's going to train the horse. And, oh, no, that person has too much of that influence. Oh, no. And it's just, yeah. Isn't they, it they astonishing? Their, yeah, even, yeah, even within the same family. Opinion. Paul, what yeah, the hell yeah. did you do? You were between your daughter and your wife. <laughs> did you just right. stay out of it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I'm not a horse person, so I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> you know. All I can say is my, I know, I know the training of my daughter because I've watched her go through 4-H and all the different things. So I know, and I've been there and I've learned what she has learned. So I know what she knows, you know, and, uh, my wife is, of course, her horse knowledge goes beyond before me. So I, you know, I have to assume that she knows what she knows. My daughter knows, 
but I know the, from the books and things, I said, okay, yeah, you know, but, uh, they, they, they've come, they've come along, uh, in different ways. My wife's, uh, uncle was a harness racer in New York. So she was definitely exposed to horses quite a bit in, in New York. So yeah, so they, they have their differences of opinion for sure. Okay. Yeah. So I to keep it moving along here. I think, <laughs> I think Nan, who is a certain somebody's wife asked this one, and it's kind of funny, the question, did you know how to back up a trailer before <laughs> your kid got into horses? I think that's directed at you, Nick. <laughs> hey, we started the yeah. show with that. We <laughs> yeah. finished it with it. That's great. That's <laughs> funny. Uh, well, uh, uh, I've, I've watched her become an expert uh, trailer driver, um, and all I know now is that you you got to just turn the wheel the opposite direction as you're trying to go. Paul, you must be expert at it by now. Uh, I won't say that I'm expert. I, I say I can get the job done. Just give me my time. Give me time, and I'll I'll, I'll do it. Uh, I have learned that I'd rather pull a gooseneck than a bumper pull any yeah. day of the week. Me too. Yeah, uh, that bumper pull is nonsense. <laughs> uh, I can take the gooseneck. I can bring it into the backyard, and I can push it parallel to the fence, and I can get it back where I want it and out of the way. But yeah, I'd rather pull a. Uh, Four people do over a twelve-foot bumper pole. I really don't want anything to do with bumper poles. Well, we um, I, the best trailer driver I have ever seen is John Nunn, who owns Bit of Britain, and we used to haul to when we went to shows to bring all the you know the stuff we would sell at shows for his retail operation. We would haul forty-foot goosenecks, and I mean they were huge. And he could take those in the building and back that up with one inch on each side and get it put into places. I, I was just amazed. He he was the best I've ever yeah. seen at that, um, backing those goosenecks up. There's the science, that's for sure. So I got a question here, um, and this was from Brenda. Uh, and we got two more. This is from Brenda, and she asks... How do you handle the anxiety and worry every time your and, and Nick, you could put your wife in this one too, uh, your baby gets up on a horse? Does it lessen over time? So, Nick, your wife's an eventer. So, you watch her do cross country. I went through that too. My wife was an eventer. How are you at watching? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely tough. Um, you know, uh, for sure, uh, in terms of, um, you know, budget stuff, we go, we, we, we buy the top of the line safety equipment. So uh, wife has an air vest, pretty high end helmet, et cetera. Um, my daughter has a little crash vest, looks like a baseball catcher um, sort of protector. Um, you know, we have a rule, obviously no, no helmet, no ride. Um, so we, we, we have hundred percent compliance with, with, you know, safety rules. Um, but for sure, I mean, I've been at, um, at event competitions and seen teenage girls in neck braces and, and ambulances coming out. Um, and, uh, I'm really just crossing my fingers that nothing, uh, nothing serious happens there. Yeah. I might've closed my eyes or time or two too. Paul, did you ever worry about that? No, no, no. I'm a, I'm a, a whitewater canoe, a rock climber, a 82nd airborne paratrooper. Oh, and sure. it's just get it out there and get it done. And, uh, <laughs> my, I was always, I never wanted to be a jumper and I was always wanting her to to be a jumper, to get out there and jump. That's what I feel like about horses. That's exciting. <laughs> watching a horse jump to do things. And, um, and, uh, no, I, 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 I don't, I've never had that fear. Well, you're uh, a paratrooper. I get it. <laughs> so I get it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I can say in, in my wife's youth 
she definitely got injured. And in my family, my brothers and sisters, everybody's been injured. And so, you yeah. know, if you're going to be around horses, it's going to happen. But luckily, you know, they, they all seem to heal. I, I think my <laughs> Even wife the iron horses horse. will put, oh. yeah. Even so, the iron horses will put you down. I went down to an 80. So, you know, but I got back up and threw my leg back over that saddle. So, so Paul, let yeah. me ask you this uh, on a side note. Uh, my, my brother-in-law was Green Bray for 20-some years. And uh, he, you know, one of the things, and actually my neighbor here is a retired two-star from Special Forces. And the one thing they both missed was parachuting and jumping. Do you miss that? There's a, a brigade in Florida that does jumps. And I was trying to organize an old-timer's jump to come on down there and, and, and to do a jump. So yeah, you, you, you do, you know, certain people certainly want to get back up and do it again. I was just thinking, have yeah. you ever jumped out of, out of a hovering helicopter? I have done everything out of a helicopter that's imaginable. I have jumped out of a helicopter. I have flown beneath a helicopter in a, in a rig, you know, where they extract you from the jungles. Uh, I've repelled out of a helicopter. Uh, certainly I've flown in a helicopter. We've flown all the way through the jungles of Panama in a helicopter. So yeah, that was the UH-1H that we were flying back in those days. I just yeah. got and my then, first course, ride in a Huey the other day. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. We, it was four seats facing out on each side and just the lap belt and that was and with the doors open. That was a trip. Let me oh, tell you. Oh, you had seats? Yeah, we had seats. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let me tell you, the lap belts were from Vietnam yeah. era. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no there's no such thing as a lap belt. That's just a strap, and it's it's silly for sure. You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. when they bank, I got to tell you, that was a that was an interesting experience when they bank, and you're looking straight at the ground with that little lap belt holding yeah. in. That was interesting. Oh yeah, I can remember that bank. We were banking over the Panama Canal, and I had my M16. I thought, huh, I wonder what kind of a splash this thing will make but fortunately <laughs> I'm on to it. <laughs> that's crazy and and of course joseph yeah. was a helicopter pilot so he knows all about what we're talking oh. about so yeah cool. i got a lot of time in uh1h's yeah <laughs> oh yeah. yeah boy the thump 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 of those is amazing though there's no sound yeah. like yeah that, you know oh yeah i can yeah i can be in a dead sleep and i know when a huey's coming in because i know i waited on him in many cold mornings praying that their doors would be on just Please let the doors be on this morning. <laughs> Joseph, do you fly those in the military? Did you fly military? I don't remember. No, I didn't. I'm no. all all civilian. All civilian. I was That's I right. was two years two years shy of going to Fort Walters. In the end, I'm thankful of that. But I liked Huey so much that when the time came, I actually bought my own. And you owned your own Huey? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I used to have. I had Ooh. I had four of them at one time. Wow. And um, wow. And a, and a good business plan, and and that's the way I got into into helicopters, and and uh, got involved with fighting fires for the Forest Service, in, you know, twenty three years. Uh -huh. that, so. And you used the Hueys to deliver the firemen into the forest, right? A, a lot. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I did 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 everything from from doing the long line work to heli repel to the the hell attack, which is where you have the fire firemen and a lot of shuttling fire guys to the top peaks. It, it was a it was a good and interesting career. Wow. But huh. the, my attraction was the Huey. You know, now they're moving over to Blackhawks, and it's just completely yeah, when yeah. You when you got a co-pilot, whereas the Hueys, in my particular case, it, you're all pilot in command, and you made the decisions, and it was it was great. Huh. That is interesting. Still is, yeah, actually. I just don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's uh, the Huey was a great bird for sure. Well, that uh, one I, I got out in '78, and so the Blackhawks were coming in just shortly after that. 
that's all the questions that we have. Thank you guys so much for playing along today. We really appreciate it. This has been fun. We're going to have to do dads again. Uh, we have to make yeah, it. Yeah, we will. This yeah. Was, this was a lot fun. of fun. Enjoyed it. It was fun. The second Horse Lovers Cruise is set for February 3rd, 2020. Most of you are just thawing out from a miserable winter. Think about next year taking a break from all of that in February and joining us on a warm cruise with fellow horse lovers and listeners of the Horse Radio Network. All of the details can be found at horseloverscruise.com. Well, that was fun to do. I don't know why we haven't done a Horse Dads episode yet, but it was fun to do that. And we got to talk about helicopters. So I went to the Sun and Fun Fly-In, which is the second largest air show next to Oshkosh, Wisconsin. That's it. Oshkosh. That's right. So, and Glenn, you got to fly in a Huey. Well, they had these. You could do all these different things. And I was doing this for fi- Finding it. Florida, the show we do for Finding Florida. And Jemmy couldn't be there. So I went with my brother, Wayne, who doesn't like heights, by the way. And doesn't really like roller coasters all that much. So we see all of these different things you can do. Well, it's very expensive. I mean, you're going to go fly in a World War II plane. It's like $1,500 and all of this. And then we saw the $90 fly in a Huey thing. And I thought, well, that, wow. you know, you just go sit in the seat and you fly around. I've been in helicopters before. What they didn't tell you till you bought your ticket and you went out there is that they had it. The doors were open on the side and they had four seats on each side facing out. And out, right. I thought, well, that's not too bad because you're right on the edge. I mean, there's this little ledge right. to put your feet on. Um, <laughs> I thought, well, they'll have a harness. That would be good. And then they're like, oh, no, these are still the st- – they were the freaking straps that had been there since Vietnam. So, And they look like it. Trust me. Um, so they hook a little strap, and there's no handholds or anything. You're just you're just flying along. Yeah, um, no, they're not big old comfortable couch seats. No. Either, you know? They're the troop seats that <laughs> are in seats. there. That's exactly what it was. So yeah. poor Wayne, he looked at that and said, I don't know if I can do this. And I said, well, we paid. We might as well go do it. So they had us up for about 15 minutes. But when he, he did some intentional banks so that we'd be pretty much looking straight down. Um, right, right. And that was a trip. I know you know all of this, but for a first-timer, it was a trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you imagine back in in the in Vietnam era when they ran these things, the door gunner in the back had to be able to shoot underneath the helicopter, and so you can imagine the bank that these helicopters were able do able to do so that they could shoot. And know, he's hanging on it. by a strap, right? He was strapped into a exactly. thing on the floor. He's, he's, <laughs> he's hanging on by a strap. It's just it's just crazy to think. And, how did and, they uh, so hit anything? That, the helicopter's <laughs> moving. Everything's moving. I don't know how they hit anything. <laughs> either either practice or a lot of bullets. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. Oh, no. Now, are they the Hueys that, like the one I was in, uh, which is like you owned, I, I didn't even know that. That's so cool. Were they easy to fly or were they tough to fly? Um, to be flown well, they're, they're hard to fly. But but keep in mind that the, the guys that flew the Hueys, they, they got out of a little, little piston-powered helicopter and right into a Huey. And you became a warrant officer over in Vietnam with very, very low hours. And uh, But the good part is in, in Vietnam, they flew with a, with a captain and then with a co-pilot. Um, over here, most of the Hueys are just flown single pilot, and so they're 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 quite a demanding helicopter, depending on on what they're being. Well, used they're like for. a big and you were, chunk. They're bulky. 
You know, they're just... They are, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're designed for medevac. They had to be able to have stretchers put in there sideways. They would carry either 8 or 12 people. And the one you were flying was probably the, the civilian version of it, because that, that would be a commercial version. No, it, so had been used in the, it had been used in the war, actually. It was owned by a museum who did these rides, and that's how they... So it was actually... It served. It got shot down several times. They showed us all the bullet holes that they had patched. There were like 50 the of them. The bullet holes. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. And, yeah. and some of the ones that I had... I used to be able to see, and, and you'd look in the logs, and it would say the bullet came in through station such and such, and then it went through the through the pilot's uh, armrest, and then it oh, exited God. through the um, through the light up in the top, and you'd follow and you'd see where the bullet holes were in the helicopter. So no oh, joke, God. man. <laughs> There's no armor plating in the bottom of a Huey. <laughs> No, this one had a lot of bullets. <laughs> it's like so that was fun. And this museum out of Texas does this, and they said they got uh, I don't know. They did have two pilots. They said they have the ha- had to have that, and then they had a third guy who sat in a little jump seat. Um, and I think wow. to get insurance and to be able to do it, they had to do that um, to do these How rides. How fun is that? Yeah, well, so- now see, there's something I could do. I, I instead of flying fires, I could go give tours and and you could uh, do get that. people. Yeah, that that would be a lot of fun. I, I'd sign sign it for that in a heartbeat. My yeah. next career. You know, we did Huey ride. <laughs> I did the helicopter ride with an old Vietnam War pilot actually, uh from from Las Vegas into the Grand Canyon for breakfast. We did that ride. Yeah. Uh yeah. and oh god, he was so much fun because that was a nice helicopter and he was playing. He you know, we he had three of us in there that were into doing stuff. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, he did some fun stuff with us. <laughs> uh, so I'm not yeah, sure how much of he was allowed to do, breeze. but <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's in the middle of the desert, who knows, right? So Right, right. That right. was that was fun. He was well, these days everybody knows because somebody on the ground took yeah. out their iPhone and took a picture and put yeah, it on Facebook. True. And the next thing you know, you that was pre-iPhone days. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I'm with the FAA and I'm here to help. So, two things about <laughs> flying in it. the Huey that I was kind of a little surprised at um, with the doors open is it's freaking loud. I mean, loud, very loud. Oh my god, yep. loud! And that thump, thump, thump—you know—it just goes through you. Uh, and yeah. then the other thing was the wind. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was windy. Yeah. A lot of downdraft and a lot of heat off the engine. You know, you, you have all of it. And um, and it's funny you talk about that because when I used to carry the Helitac crews in and we'd be going into a really, really dicey area, there's a particular odor of fear that you would get eight guys all giving at the same time being afraid. And I thought, if these guys are afraid just going to a to helibase, imagine what it was like going into a LZ in Vietnam and bullets everywhere. Oh, I got so a little bit of that. There were eight of us that got a little bit of that, too. You got a little bit of that? <laughs> yeah, that we smell. said that. Yeah, it's like, smell of fear. Uh, <laughs> how can you do this with people shooting at you? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree with the you. The terror. Well, cool. That was fun. Yeah. You know, the air show was fun, too, Joseph. There, This is the second largest in the country. There were thousands of private planes that had flown in from around the world. Um, yeah, jets yeah. and just every kind of small plane and experimental plane and all of the little funny ones and then the, the hangar. Glider. I had everything there. Um, and then there's aerobatics. Yep, doing, had, doing stuff in an airplane that, that doesn't look like it, it should be legal or, or even possible. You we, know, you see these model airplanes do it, and now guys in real airplanes are doing aerobatics that are you know, it, it was, un, unfathomable not too many years ago. It was cool because we had press passes, and the, the Blue Angels were there, the, the uh, uh, Navy stunt team. And they were oh, there, really? so we, we got to go interview the pilots right by the planes. So that was kind of cool. Um, I'm, I'm thinking... Hmm, can I get one of those? <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> we didn't get to go for a ride in those, though. Um, but then we were we were there on Thursday, which is the first day. They had just arrived, and they did our press 
press thing right when they got there. Uh, we saw them land and then come in and then parked and then they did their little thing with their crews and then we went out and interviewed them. And then um, at Thursday morning around 11 o'clock, they did practice. So they practice every place they go, they do practice runs. Uh, right, and right. They, and they, it is so cool because they had one of the extra pilots on the intercom talking us through the practice and what they do and how they look for landmarks, the way to make the turns. And then they also have their radios on the loudspeakers. So you hear them talking to each other. And yeah. that was cooler than watching their show later in the day, was watching wow. a practice. practice. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, well, speaking of practice, don't don't tell my wife, but I'm, I'm finding that I'm, I'm feeling kind of missing flying too much. And I went out and I bought an ultralight. You were just talking about ultralight. What'd you buy? Uh, it's it's called a, a, a Quicksilver, which is a little snowmobile engine powered ultralight. Oh my god! And um, yeah, I know they're just the coolest thing, and it's and it's and it reminds me of the Wright brothers because it it weighs like two hundred fifty pounds, and it's got forty horsepower, and you're out in the wind, you know. There's no, nothing around you, no cockpit. But what it is is it's not flying a helicopter. And and I went and I saw this thing and I just fell in love with it. And so she doesn't know that it's coming yet, but eventually there's going to be an ultralight sitting in the backyard. Oh my here. God. It's like I'll she bought a horse be- and doesn't tell you. It's the same thing. <laughs> hey, I'm looking at a picture. This is the one everybody has seen flying over their house where the guy sitting in a little seat with the little wheels and the and the wings. That's the one. Yeah, it's just it's just bare bones. I mean, when I say it's Wright Brothers, it, it really is. And I mean, and that's not terrifying more- to you? Oh, no, because I used to fly gliders, and, oh. and you'd fly without a canopy and a glider. There's no engine in a glider. They're super lightweight, and you, you learn that basically you never go anywhere where you can't land. And so that, that's the trick with gliders. And an ultralight is just a glider with a motor. And wheels. So you can go and, up. And, and nice wheels and, to land wherever you want, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll let you know how that saga goes over the next I got to see months. pictures. We got to see pictures of that. <laughs> uh, I want, also, pictures of the bruises after you tell your wife you bought an ultralight. So, can you take off at the farm? I can. Yeah. yeah you're not going to believe this thing takes off in 60 feet. Oh, six wow. Zero feet. So you barely have time to think about it, and it's climbing out. It, it's a pretty neat bird. I'm I'm really really happy to have found it. I've been looking for a long time, and it's the same thing my wife tells me. You know, when she finds a horse, we talked about on the on the manly man thing. But um, when when my wife and goes and buys a horse at this point here, it, there's a lot of trust involved, and and I just say, you know, if it's something that you think is the right thing, just just do it and bring it back. And we have the best horses we've ever had right now. They're pretty remarkable. Of course, now I'm building her a new barn, getting involved with that and sharing that experience with Jamie and so. So I'm looking here and I see one seaters and two seaters. Is this one a one or two? This is a single seater. Single seat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, my wife she's told me lots of times she's never going up with me in these kind of things. Anything that doesn't have a cockpit or a cabin around you like a steerman, a biplane, anything like that, she says I'm never doing it. Not my deal. So there's no point in getting a two seater Quicksilver because she ain't going. <laughs> so I got to ask <laughs> no, you too. Um, we saw a lot of. We have a lot of these in Florida, and like, we got to interview a guy who does them. And uh, so float planes. Have you ever done landed on the water with a float plane? I have. Yeah, yep. I've got a float float rating, and I've done that a lot. And if the pond at our new property was just a little bit longer, I'd be putting floats on the Quicksilver. Absolutely. Oh, but that's cool. It's not quite. Is yeah, it not quite? Is it easy to that. land on water? Is it harder? Or? Um, it's different okay. because a lot of times the water is glassy 
And so you don't actually see what you're landing on because it's reflecting the clouds. And so if you look at the water, you actually think you're higher than you are. And so you just set up a rate of descent, and then all of a sudden the plane just touches, which is really weird, but <laughs> that's just the way it is. So yeah, float flying's great. As long as you've got lakes around you to land, it's really safe. It's a lot of fun. And uh, being able to pull up to a beach and be really cool when you get out of your plane, you know, that was good. Well, I'm going to end all my path. I'm going to end on this. Uh, Nick just sent over a picture of Clara and Honey in the cart. And with oh, Clara man. driving the, the cutest little pony you ever have seen. And she is the cutest, cute as a button, wearing her little outfit with her helmet. And we're going to post that. That's going to be our picture for the show notes. She, oh, she God, is I, so cute. <laughs> I love the parents are, are enjoying the the process of their child being exposed to horses. This is like total magic for, for everybody that, that is involved with horses. Well, that's it for this time. Where can people buy the forks? Uh, EquityMFG.com, E-Q-U-I-T-E-E-M-F-G.com. Well, as you know, right now we are not doing live this week, so that will continue the rest of the week. Tomorrow, Jamie will be here with Sally co-hosting for me because I'm on vacation right now. And then Thursday, we have the grooming episode that is pre-recorded and ready to come out on Thursday, brand new one. And then Friday, we'll be coming to you live from, not live, we'll be coming to you from uh, Land Rover, three-day event. Right. So we'll have a... Gotta say Rover, right? Yep, we'll have a special episode for you then. And then on Sunday, we'll have a special episode for for you as well in the feed. So you can look for that. We are sponsored by Weatherbeta. We appreciate all of their support for the coverage that we're going to be bringing to you next week. So that's the schedule the rest of the week. Whole bunch of fun episodes coming up, and we're looking forward to bringing them to you. Thank you, Joseph. Yeah, thank you. And um, don't forget about the cruise. Sign up for that. Meet me and Glenn both and my wife there. And, of course, um, don't forget to spay, neuter, and gel your horses. <laughs> <laughs>